0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 12th, 2022. I am your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, returning to face his own sanctions.
1: Wink. Caffeine rage, I think.
0: On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing some games we've played. Russian game devs uh, address sanctions in different ways. E3 2022 canceled, threatens to return next year. Pinball FX is a mess of subscriptions, microtransactions, and currencies. On our weekly community corner, we're going to have a couple of articles discussing NFTs. And GameFact user creates 3,700 maps and counting. Time's will be in the show notes, following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's shaking, Bacon?
1: Uh, not too much. Had kind of a just blah day with uh, the doctor threatening to see me and then, yeah, you know, cancelling at the last moment. So kind of thrown off the entire day. Yep. I
0: understand those days. They are often yeah, very and, annoying. Yeah, and sometimes you've even caused them. I have caused them on occasion. Sometimes something happens. You get sick, something comes up, whatever, and you just tell front desk, Hey, I'm sorry, you have to send out the cancellation call to all my people.
1: Yeah, and just as I was about to put my pants on, too.
0: So that means you're not, or you weren't wearing any pants?
1: Don't you just you
0: do. I'll be right over.
1: Eight hour drive later, <laughs> right? Oh, I got a... Hang on, what is this book called? So I got two, two s-
0: sexy book recommendations this week. Um, the oh, I'm first, still
1: waiting for us to get uh, back to reading uh, Fifty Shades of Chicken.
0: I'm taking that to work tomorrow so that I can read it. <laughs> to Sarah. To, well, Sarah's on vacation, so that I can read it to the other nurse, Chelsea, the one who's <laughs> like me. Uh, A lady version of me. Dang it. What is this first book? Hank, what is this first one called? All right. So, the first one that has been, I I got sent this. Oh, wait. Bad token. Shit. I downloaded them, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. This is called Cree Captivity The Nera Chronicles. And it's a sci fi butt book with like a purple naked man on the front with nipple rings. So she gets me. I'm very excited to read this. And then I got another book recommendation from a client. What is this called? Uh, come on, open. This book is called Hero vs. Villain, Boy X Boy. And it's a, a gay love story between a paladin and a demon lord.
1: Oh, well, that's a thing. Yeah. I think I've seen that anime.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm very excited. I have two new sexy books to read soon. Not not right now. Not tonight. I did promise Chelsea I would read the first chapter of Cree whatever. So I'll have to do that. Shit, dude. After we're done recording or maybe before I leave for work in the morning.
1: Yeah, I need uh, to uh, get working on the Hail Mary project. I uh, got that uh, about a month ago, and I just haven't uh, sat down to start reading it. hmm Looking forward to it, it's just, yeah, I hadn't really uh, cracked it open yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Or Project Hail Mary, or... Now I'm going to go double-check that one. Uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Martian, you know?
0: Yep. Is the Hail Mary project, that's not the one where the, they're on the moon. That's the next uh, that, one. That's, that's the that, next one, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was on sale for like a buck. I uh, think you after... told me
0: when you bought this, actually, a couple of weeks ago. Or a few weeks ago, whenever it was. You you
1: told me. Yeah, it's just... uh, I, I, After my uh, credits through Dove you know, uh, no Rush orders on Amazon, I had enough to... Uh, cover most of the uh, of the price. And I think yeah. it was sub $5 anyway. So it brought it down to my actual cost was like a buck. And I was going to go just borrow it from the library but at that point just fuck it, right? Yeah. Even if it's as disappointing as Ready Player 2, I'm not out that much. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> right.
0: Well, let's, let's not. Instead, let me get yeah. you started
1: on some yeah, games well, that we played. Yeah, I will say that I borrowed that one from the library, and I feel still still felt ripped off.
0: Fair enough. So what game so, have you been playing? So this
1: is the first in a pair of games I'm going to talk between this week and next that are very similar and have a lot of shared ideas. And I think the next one you're going to be really interested to hearing me about, but uh, talk about but first got to talk about this one which is Monster Hunter Rise the latest in the Monster Hunter series and this is a series that I've tried to get into for quite a while and this is the kind of the game that finally got my foot in the door on it. I've tried on the 3DS uh playing over there and just uh it's the controls there. The, yeah, playing around with the 3DS's clit trying to aim just wasn't worth it, you know. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could hear that smile over there.
0: Did you, I was going to say, did you say playing with the 3DS's clit?
1: You know, the, uh, the C, uh, Yeah, thing? the little nubbin. Yeah. Yep, just make sure I heard you correctly, though. I mean, it's not wrong, is it? No. I heard you correctly, and I like it. And I skipped all on Monster Hunter uh, World, because at the time I just, I didn't feel like my PC would handle it. And I didn't want to risk it, so when this went on a free trial, uh, I guess a month and a half now, I tried it out on the Switch and ended up just getting a used copy of it afterwards because I enjoyed it so much. So, this is kind of going back to the older formula of Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter World was kind of more open world, with multiple things going on at once, right? Uh, with a lot of tracking down the monsters and uh, whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is more of a hub-and-spoke uh, style of gameplay where you're going out on a singular mission, and usually it's one, uh, it, depending on the mission, up to three monsters uh, per mission, minus additional modes, which I'll get to later. And it really throws you into the deep into things, and it explains a lot, but it doesn't explain a lot, which is kind of typical Monster Hunter fashion, from what I understand. There's so many pop ups in the beginning of this game, uh, explaining all the different systems, including just you know all the new stuff that they added since Monster Hunter World, right? And it's just overwhelming and really the only reason why I was able to kind of get my foot in the door is that I found a good tutorial for one of the 16 weapons that actually explained it well enough that it actually made the game fun, (laughs) right? And that's kind of the, really the big problem with Monster Hunter is that it explains stuff, but it doesn't explain stuff. The tutorial I found was actually for the bow and explains uh, the different codings and the critical distance and how the critical distance is shown on the game screen, but it never bothers to tell you that in the game itself. Right. That'd be so, information to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, after I cracked that and started to actually play the game and actually, you know, do somewhat well, and it does help that, at least according to a couple of reviews that I watched at, at the time, Suggest that Monster Hunter Rise is a little bit of an easier game, at least in the beginning. Uh, that, yeah, you know, it kind of, you know, gets you, builds you up a little bit more. You know, it's sort of like, you know, those first few, uh, you know, really easy levels and a platform before it starts throwing all the weird mechanics at you, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Rise does with the first few hunts. As uh, a matter of fact, uh, it has kind of a split progression system as well, which I'll get to in a little bit later. Uh, but it is absolutely dripping with style it, that I kind of just fell in love with. It goes for a medieval style, uh, yeah, well, I guess I should say feudal style uh, Japanese setting, where you know you have like uh, <laughs> essentially the shogun. Uh, as the uh, leader of this village, Kamora Village, and it has this Eastern flair to it that is just, like I said, just oozing with style. You still have uh, uh, your Palicos uh, uh, walking around, uh, yeah, uh, replacing every other word with me- uh, meow or mew or yeah, you know, some uh, sort of cat pun, right? Uh, but it's Done still with this kind of seriousness that you know it doesn't come off as as goofy. It's over the top, sure, but it doesn't feel out of place. I guess I should say, you know, yeah. Like uh, whenever you send uh, your uh, palicos and palamutes, which is a new thing in uh, Monster Hunter Rise, which I'll cover when we get to combat. <laughs> Uh, off on a, a, on an expedition or uh, to gather supplies, uh, there's this seriousness but silliness and they do this incredible blend of the two uh, that kind of breaks up the monotony of, yo, know, well, I'm going to go hunt this thing and take its parts and make a hat out of it, right?
0: <laughs> yes. The the core elements of Monster Hunter. Hat making
1: with carcasses. And, and giant-ass sword making. Don't forget giant-ass sword making. Of
0: course. That, that
1: truly is the best part. But, uh, you yeah, know, there's, like, uh, skippable cutscenes, of course. But there's cutscenes like whenever you send off uh, your uh, p- uh, palicos to, on missions. Whenever you're sitting down to eat uh, and to have the dongo. Uh For your various buffs instead of the full-on meals like they had before uh it has this really cute yet serious tone to it, and it sounds you know completely contradictory of it, but yeah, you know, that's kind of monster hunter, right yeah, monster hunter is a big old, beautiful mess most of the time. So, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Palamutes and Palicos. So, Palicos are returning from Monster Hunter World. And you could have two companions out on your quest as single player, or if you go multiplayer, you only have one. Palicos are essentially assistants, and they break down into five different categories. There's Bombardiers, uh, uh, Gatherers, Healers. Uh, There's a a tank one, or or, sorry, a DPS one, and I'm blanking on the fifth one. And then there's Palimutes, which pretty much are only differentiated by kind of a randomness to the skills that they can uh, learn whenever you uh, recruit them. But they have different focuses. So Palicos are essentially assistants. They'll gather stuff when uh, when you come across the gathering hubs out in the world on your various missions and whatnot. While Palamutes, one, you could ride them. They're dog-wolf-like creatures that you can mount up and run around on the back of, which saves your stamina loss because before, you'd be running on foot. And the thing with Monster Hunter is that as you deplete your stamina, it doesn't replenish all the way. So you'll either have to sit down and eat or, you know, just you know, deal with a less sit, uh, stamina. Well, this, you save your stamina because the palamute is, you know, the one doing the running. And it also enables a little bit more mobility in that you can do some actions on the palamute while running and drifting and, yes, dog drifting on the back of it that you would normally be stationary, like sharpening your weapon or eating a meal, or taking a potion. Right. That would be either, you know, slowing you down a lot, but in, on the Palamute, you know, you're book, uh, booking at full speed behind, you know, this uh, limping, giant-ass tortoise that's uh, uh, trying to get away from you, right? Right. Good luck, tortoise. And that's the thing, is that the Palamutes add a sense of mobility and speed to the game that... I never really felt before uh, in the previous times I've tried this uh, this series. That is on top of the wire bugs and uh, the parkour that they've added. So, the wire bugs, they're this essentially grappling hook. You have two charges of them and you can find a third temporary charge while out in the world and you can also find... Spirit birds that you know give you—I I- want to say—temporary buffs, but they're they are permanent until you return to the village. But they're also kind of you know your difficulty uh, gauge as well. So if you go out of your way to collect a lot of spirit birds before attacking a difficult creature, it will make it easier because you'll have more health or more. Uh, damage, but you're counterbalancing that by taking more time to go collect them, right? Uh, Along with the various helpers that give different uh, uh, actions like could be used to cure poison or another one that poisons the uh, monster, one that will blind the monster for a short time. Uh, And the wire bug is just another addition to that where you'll have a third charge on it. And they can be used to jump up into the air and uh, attack a monster. And some of the moves that uh, has been added to the game uh, tie into the wire bug mechanic as well. So a good example of this is actually the dual blades, which uh, is essentially death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, a Man. lot of small numbers, but a lot of fast movement, a lot of fast hits. And... Uh, I, I'll go a little bit more to the demon blades because it kind of ties into another system that I'll talk about later. Well, uh, uh, you could go into what they call demon mode, which is essentially filling up a gauge uh, that at the cost of your stamina bar. Which is another reason why you want to go into uh, a monster fight with you know, as much stamina, uh, much back stamina as you can, right? Yeah. And if you fill up the bar, you could then exit demon mode, which uh, takes the uh, the de- uh, drain off your stamina and allows you to regain it again. But it enhances other moves that you could do. Well, the wire bugs tie into this by some extra combos you, you could do can tie in right, can deplete one or two of the wire bugs. So, an example of this is uh, you could take your dagger, stab it into the enemy, and deplete a wirebug charge. And then it'll explode after a, sh- a short amount of time. And that damage is amplified by the amount of damage you do. So, if you time it just right and hit it at the right part of the enemy, you can do massive amounts of damage. Oh, yeah. I- huh? So, I don't know about that. Uh, that's a new thing in Rise. Okay. And uh, some of these wire bug moves could also be swapped out for other moves, which is uh, switch skills. Each weapon has three different slots for uh, switch skills. And up until the expansion has two options for each slot. And demon mode, a good example of this is like your are uh, I have two unlocked right now. I, I, the third one is extreme late game. I've beaten the story of the game, which, you know, story, there's not a lot of story here, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh, the first one, it uh, has... uh it expands a, a wire bug charge to have a, uh, a longer dash, essentially, or a longer dodge move. So you could use it to yank yourself out of the way of an attack. But the... Uh, Opposite choice that you have of it. You could swap that out for a move that. Expends a wire bug charge that. Flips you up into the air. Which opens up a combo opportunity. To attack the monster. Uh, you know from above. And possibly hit a weaker spot or. If you have enough demon. Uh, <laughs> demon meter. Uh, to do a charged attack that. Actually turns you to. Well, every other, every description I've heard of it uh, just calls it a Beyblade going down the spine of the monster. And it's not untrue. <laughs> or another good example of how Switch skills could change the gameplay is the other one that I have unlocked. Where Demon Mode essentially enhances your speed and uh, allows you to dodge really quickly. Well, you could swap that out for Feral Demon Mode, which gets rid of the speed buff but it makes it so that when you're in demon mode you hit so much harder but it also makes it harder for you to get into those openings and there's no real right or wrong answers to these uh, different uh, choices and all the different weapons have all these different options that you could go into and it makes it really interesting to see some of the combinations that you could pull off uh trying to think of some others um uh, the bow swaps out, uh, its charged attack for a different type of charged attack. Uh, the hammer, uh, uh, can swap out a small hit for a massive hit, but it expends all its wirebug charges, but it also makes it so that, uh, while those wirebug charges are re-charging, uh, you're kind of a setting duck and you can't do it too often. And also, the wire bug uh, allows it so that very slow weapons like uh, the great sword has a lot more mobility options than previous games that, uh, did, and that's part of the reason why I had trouble with that in, th- in the 3DS era was that some weapons were just so slow, and if you were you know uh, bad at the game, which Immediately, I was because yo, know, I was a new player. It made it for a very frustrating experience because, right? Indeed,
0: I I want to play. You and I have talked about this a little bit. I want I want to play Monster Hunter Rise. Um, I play Monster Hunter World and enjoyed it, and just haven't gotten to it yet. But you make it sound more enticing. I mean, you have very much gotten interested and invested in this game.
1: Yeah, like I said, I picked up. Well, I've got a used copy, but yeah, right. Yeah, and I do plan on probably getting the expansion. So there's one other thing about, well, oh, actually, two more things about the wire bugs. It's one that it opens up a lot more parkour action as well, where you could wire bug up a uh, wall and then wall run up it to get some height and explore different areas of the map. So it's not an open world like Monster Hunter World did. Instead, uh, you're locked off into, I think it's half a dozen or so fairly large maps, which a bunch of hidden secrets and such to uh, find. But there's also different paths that you could take to gather collectibles to get different uh, uh, items to help with the hunt, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing about the wire bug is that it enables wyvern riding. So, if you pull off enough wirebug attacks on a monster, or if two monsters are fighting, which sometimes happens whenever you're on like an expedition, or sometimes just the mission might have you deal with more than one monster, and as they roam around the map, they might bump into each other and uh, start duking it out. You could actually jump on the back of them and take control of them, and you could attack the other monster. You could. Ramming into the wall, and it uh, once again opens up a lot of interesting possibilities. Especially when you're taking on, you know, getting on the back of like some, you know, electric rabbit thing that might just shock the shit out of the other monster, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, especially if that's your uh, primary target. If you get uh, the other monster to be able to damage it more. One, that gives you some extra drops for, yeah successful attacks. But two, you know, you're dealing additional damage. But then you could also ram the monster into that and possibly open up another opening where you can mount the other monster (laughs) and do damage to either the first one or just ram it into the wall a few times. And it's just hilarious. And then some maps have uh, environmental uh, hazards as well that you can take advantage of, like... uh, the, uh, Firelands map, which I'm blanking on the name of, uh, has it where you could, you know, run into a geyser, uh, and have it, you know, get, you know, slightly cooked. Or you might damage it enough where you're able to, uh, get it to be stunned for a while so you can lay down a trap and just trap it, which gives you different, uh, monster drops. Depending on the monster, of course. Uh... Than what you would get if you just you know uh, beat the ever a hell out of it, or if you cut the tail off of it or you know did certain part damage, and there's just a lot of you know, different ways to approach it, and different opportunities that might open up during a hunt that you know, might make you know, uh, the dozen times uh, playing it play out slightly different each time so uh l- let me talk a bit more about the game mode so I, I did yeah, the hunts are the bread and butter of the game, of course, right? Well, there's two other modes here. There's this uh, tower defense rush mode, which it's mostly used to get tickets for uh, improving weapons. So there's the tra- traditional making, you know, better weapons out of parts of other monsters. You know, you get the ball sack of you know. Uh, the turtle and, you know, the ears of the rabbit thing and put them together and you get this, you know, uh, weird sword, right? Well, right. there's uh, defense tickets as well, which uh, you uh, get in this tower defense style or kind of hybrid tower defense uh, rampage mode where you're setting up uh, turrets uh, that the NPCs could uh, handle ones that you could jump on, uh, bait, uh, bombs, that sort of thing. And the primary focus is to keep the monsters from destroying the final gate. And they're about as quick as normal hunts, but they don't offer near as much loot, unfortunately. But, you know, it's kind of the focus is getting those tickets to be able to improve your weapons and each weapon has uh, once again a choice of three different things that could like boost the elemental damage on it. or it might unlock a, an additional skill or uh, unlock a, a, a additional affinity which is your crit chance depending on the weapon of course and then there's the arena which is a going into a uh, well an arena with a set uh, a set set of items and the weapon of your choice. And just kind of duking it out for a quick, uh, you know, hunt. Once again, not, uh, this is the mode I've played the least. And really the least interest in him. Because, you know, I kind of like uh, going on the actual hunts. Because, once again, you get additional stuff on top of it. I haven't seen a real reason to go into this yet. But I'm still on what's called low tier. I haven't, uh, yeah, reached into the high tier stuff, which is uh, kind of the split progression system going on. So there's actually there's a lot low tier and high tier for both of them, but uh, essentially there's the village quest, which is always, always, always single player stuff. These are the uh, also the story quests and each monster is introduced with their own cutscene and their own poem, and yes, I do mean a poem, uh, disc- discussing what the monster is and uh, yeah, how dangerous it is, and, yeah. and uh, once again, just dripping with style. But then there's the Gathering cub quest, which is either single-player or, or multiplayer, which scales depending on the Number of players, uh, the uh, health of things, and that sort of thing. And they are more difficult than the village quests, but still, as single player, they're doable. Uh, but the progression in the Gathering Hub is separate from the village quests. If you get far enough in the village quest, there is, a <coughs> pardon me, there is a test that they'll unlock in the Gathering Hub. Uh, To kind of skip up to high tier. But that's still, you know, you still have to get to high tier in the village quests. So if you're not there in the village quests and you want to do some of the Gathering Hub, you're still stuck g- progressing on a separate tr- uh, progression tier. Which is a bit of a bummer, but at the same time, I do get it as well. Uh, But, you know, uh, in the Gathering Hub, it's kind of a condensed village as well. So you get don't have to go around... Uh, hitting the shop and uh, getting your dongo and everything else. Everything's just right there uh, together. I haven't done any multiplayer. I don't really have a lot of interest in it outside of, you if you get it for switch, then that's kind of also the thing is that it is split off from the PC version, even though the PC version will be getting the expansion at the same time, I think. So, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, been a real blast. I've been bouncing around a few different weapons. Uh, really depending on what the monster I'm fighting. Because, you know, uh, doing dual blades are, is kind of good for a lot of things. But if something's big and slow, you know, getting out that you know, giant greatsword, it's going to make things a lot better uh, for you know, certain monsters. But I've never felt like I've been at a severe disadvantage for taking out the wrong weapon. Things might be a l- slightly more difficult, yes, if I'm fighting something very fast that, and using the Greatsword, but it doesn't feel impossible either. And there's just you know, so many different uh, weapons to try out. I've not even touched you know, close to half of them, let alone you know, gone in-depth with uh a lot of them, anyway, right? Right. And they all play pretty <laughs> differently. There are some you know, crossovers like uh, the the two bow guns play similarly. Uh yeah, you know, turns the game into essentially a third person shooter. Uh the bow plays somewhat similarly to the bow guns, but not quite because you know, there's a little bit of uh, differing mechanics uh there's the hunting horn, which is essentially you know a a a barred weapon with uh, its own you know, completely different mechanics from dual sword or, or from dual blades, which is completely different from the great sword, which is different from the uh sword and shield and it's just amazing how deep you could go into it yeah
0: well i am I'm glad that you really enjoy it. It's always nice to see you gush about a game as much as it is to see you, you know,
1: tear one to shreds. Yeah, it feels weird, doesn't it? Feels nice. Yeah, I would say that my biggest complaint about it is that the game explains too little, but uh, too much at the same time, which is kind of a weird thing. Yeah. So, my turn? Uh, uh, Yeah, do you have any questions about Monster Hunter? I do not, having played Monster Hunter World,
0: I know that there are some new mechanics and some differences, but it's all stuff that seems
1: straightforward enough yeah, and i I would say my other big complaint about it is just the absolute massive amount of d l. c that you could have, and it's pretty much all cosmetic, you know, different poses, different you know voice packs, different yeah. You know, essentially dress up for your character. Right. Which that is a little annoying, but it's not a deal-breaker to me. Yeah. Or at least in this sense, you know? Yeah.
0: So, you want to hear a little bit about what I played? Uh, If I must. It won't take me anywhere near as long. There's a lot I can't say for spoiler reasons, and even so, even if I could say, the game is nowhere near as long or or complex as Monster Hunter. So I put a game on Game Pass called Mind Scanners. Um, I got the link from Steam for it, but currently it's still on Game Pass. And in Mind Scanners, you play a person in this future sort of dystopia city and you get hired to be a the uh, the titular Mind Scanner. And they perform some functions of therapy, um, kind of, I guess psychiatry. There's a, a tiny amount of therapy, like I'll give them the mechanics of a quote unquote session, but there's like a tiny amount of therapy. It's mostly about applying medication and then using this tool, which is called uh, just the scanner and it scans like people's brains or something and identifies the areas with it. They're experiencing problems for you to quote unquote fix them. And, um, it's got some rogue light elements to it and that. If you lose, you start a new run, but you get to carry over a portion of the, uh, you know, your your earnings and rewards from the, the previous uh, game so that you can keep, you know, progressing. Um, and there's a story, which I won't spoil, sort of the very, like, literally the opening is like your character's child has been taken by a Mind Scanner because she's a level... Three deviant or something like that I don't remember the specific number it's like she was bad enough that she sounds, was taken
1: sounds like your child
0: <laughs> right but it's bad enough that she was taken into custody by the state and you become a mind scanner because one of the only ways that you can be in touch with your kid is to become a high enough level mind scanner so overall that's your sort of main goal that's presented to you as the player you want to become a level I think it's level three mind scanner and then you can get access to the facility where your doctor or where your daughter is being held And so, um, then, then sort of away you go. And in this kind of roguelite element or or whatever, it's like you have so much, uh, sort of energy available to you every day. You can take jobs, which is you go and you scan people's minds. You can spend that time on upgrades because it's like, oh, I'm doing some upgrades. So it takes a bit of time as well as resources. And then, um beyond that uh there's you have like a, a currency that you have to spend on certain things and then there are other research you get as you you know complete mind scans so um there are a certain amount of jobs that pop up every day there's no way to carry over time because at the end of the day you know it, you have to spend the rest of the day resting so you uh you know, once you get to the end, then you have to rest. So anyways, you, you get these jobs where that you go and you talk to a patient for a few moments. You get some information from them. Um, you ask them some basic questions. There's sort of a. Like a little mini game that you play where that you're trying to make sort of the correct um, inferences between what they're saying and the symptoms that they're experiencing and a sort of pre job report you get. And so you go in and you, you know, you ask them these questions, you get answers. And then it shows you how sort of deviant they are or how severe their mental health symptoms are. Um, And that's represented in in terms of like sort of bad brain bits. There there's a bunch of little symbols that represent different things. It's all actually very intuitive. It sounds complicated, but I think it's more for flair style than anything and to sort of add gameplay mechanics and then you hook them up to the mind scanning device and start to perform you know quote unquote treatment on them and there's sort of a basic brain zapper that is universal but it only removes one um sort of one point of of mental health issues and then there are more specific ones that you can unlock and research by gameplay they're
1: thinking, boy, I would love to be able to use this amount of a job,
0: right? Sometimes like I wish I could just zap someone's brain and make them all better. Unfortunately, zapping people's brains in real life
1: doesn't really do anything. Oh, it makes them uh you know, but do a funny dance. True if
0: you zap them enough. But anyways, there are specific zapping tools that clear more, you know, bad brain bits. Than just the general tool, which only clears one bad brain bit. Um, and, you know, time ticks down while you're, you know, treating your patient. And if you succeed, great. If you fail, you know, no good. And you get a report either way if you succeed or if you fail. And if you succeed, you're given a reward. You get paid some money, you get given some extra resources, like maybe something you have to invest in order to, um, you know, do research or something. And, uh, then there's a sort of a second layer that comes in after a day or two where it's like, Hey, be careful not to fry their brains. Cause if you can quote unquote cure them, but if you cause them too much stress, then it kind of zombifies them a little bit. And you get paid either way because, hey, it's a dystopia. And so if you pacify the masses, they don't care if you actually treat them or not, just so as long as they're not causing problems. And so that becomes the push-pull of the story. There are other characters that are introduced. There is a whole other sort of storyline. There's some Papers, Please elements, whether it's like you can do something for or against the government. And there's bonuses and negatives to each one. And I can't really talk too much more about it without spoiling the narrative. It's an interesting game. It's really bleak. Um, Obviously, dystopian, you know, future storytelling. It's very bleak, very sad. But also, at times, it's weirdly up- uplifting. Some of the uh, more... Does de- anybody
1: show up with a crayon-colored uh, uh, passport? <laughs> so far, no. Um,
0: Unfortunately. But um, there are certain sort of, you know, jobs or certain treatments that take multiple days to complete, and depending on how well you're doing, and how much you're actually, like, trying to be a good, you know, practitioner and take care of their needs without doing, you know, being too stressful and frying their brain, you get can get some deeper information about these people, you can become friends with them, and they'll pop up later on in the story. Um one that i will say that is i so i haven't beaten it yet i've lost a couple of times i got pretty i'm pretty far on my current run i'm like what day am i on 22 23 um you know it feels pretty far it's the farthest i've gotten so far anyways or at least and i met someone on this run that so far has just been kind of a side case but they experienced like some really severe trauma and they ask you to fry their brain on purpose. (coughs) And, and you can, you know, you can choose to do that or not. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, and that's, that's all I'll say. Cause you, you know, whether or not I chose to do it, there's an interesting story revelation or, you know, at least in their side, (laughs) personal, you know, story. It's a really interesting, really good game, but it also is extremely heavy. And the mechanics of the actual treatment, while in some ways complex, pretty quickly you kind of figure out the best way to achieve your goal. So if your goal is just process as many people as possible, the basic like single-use tool is pretty effective because um, you can go through it really, really quickly. It's just kind of a simple button-pressing minigame. Um, but it but because you're you know using this tool like a ton of times, it causes a lot of stress and fries brains quickly. So if you're like, well, I'm just you know trying to be efficient in terms of like knocking out these cases. Honestly, the basic single use tool is really good for that. But if you're trying to actually care for people, then you have to invest more time and energy and resources into developing these other, you know, treatment tools.
1: Uh oh, but who has time for that?
0: Yeah. There's also drugs that you can give people as sort of like one-shot boosts. So, you know, if you stress them out too much, you can take some time to rest and use another tool that sort of helps them relax and feel better. I don't know, it's another brand stimulus tool. Right? Or you can give them drugs, which, you know, reduce their stress and mellow them out for a while. Also known as weed. Right? There are drugs that do other things too, like drugs that can clear out... um, you know, some of the negative mental health uh, symptom symbols or uh, drugs that, you know, maybe they won't take on any stress for a while. Or it will restore some of their mental faculties so they don't become, you know, vegetables.
1: Oh, caffeine.
0: Yes. It is, uh, it is an excellent game that is deep and dark in terms of storytelling. And uh, I love it. And talk what? about
1: uh, a complete different from, you know, my goofy uh, cat, cat people making mochi, right? Or sorry, right. dongo. Yeah. Um. The only real
0: problem I have with it is some of the language that is used is not good. Like, it, it uses... And, and I think that this is on purpose because it's a dystopia. Um. But they, you know, they use the word insanity a lot to describe people who... Have pretty yeah, we, normal and mild yeah, we mental know health that's, symptoms. Be crazy. Right. But you know, they will describe people as insane who are just sort of experiencing moderate depression for, you know, reasons of like, oh, you know, my my mom died and I'm sad about that. I'd rather not go to work. No, nope, you know, but they're be crazy. But they're saying, like, oh no, this person is insane in the same way that they say that someone who is um thinks that they're invisible and that no one can see them. You know, they describe those two people with the same word. And I think that's, you know, on purpose, playing up the dystopia angle. But if it's not, it's present, and it's frustrating to me. Yeah, it's problematic. So, But yeah, I still recommend that people play it if they're even remotely interested in it. You know, that that type of game, I should say. So yeah, that's it for games we played this week. Uh, Ready to go do the news?
1: Yeah, let's go do the news.
0: Right. Um, The first news topic tonight is a combination sort of topic. Um, Russian game devs address sanctions in differing ways. So we've got the World of Tanks dev and the dev for Loop Hero, correct?
1: Yeah. So uh, let's tackle World of Tanks first because this is... The more extreme of the two, right? So, and now war gaming isn't it?
0: Uh, yes, war gaming is is world uh, of state.
1: Yeah, war war gaming is splitting their company essentially into two parts that will not interact with one another, which is an extreme measure, but uh, with Actions and such, it's hard to really you know, see what else they could have done, really, outside of just, you know, uh, going for one or the other side, right? Yeah. So, World of Tanks is absolutely massive in Russia. Stupidly so. It's, uh, from the numbers I've seen on some of the articles uh, talking about this, it's bigger in Russia than it is the rest of the world combined. And in order to continue, yeah, you know, developing the game and you know interacting with you know the market outside of Russia, they've decided to split the company essentially into a new company and have uh, all development outside of Russia be handled by War Gaming with a new company. And now I need to go actually see which what the name of it is uh, in Belarus and Russia. Uh, completely separate from and they will get no profit from it whatsoever.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just uh, extreme, to say the least,
0: huh? Yeah, so the article, the wrapped article um, in there says, while no explicit reason is given for Wargaming's departure, it's almost certainly due to Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. The studio has already halted advertising it deemed inappropriate following the invasion, as well as firing former creative director Sergei Barkatovsky, I've definitely butchered that, after he expressed support for Putin's war in Ukraine. Now, after a strategic review of global operations, Wargaming has made the decision to completely exit Belarus and Russia. It's doing West so... Australia.
1: Sorry, I just found the name of it in here. Yeah. quote, It's doing so in,
0: quote, full compliance with relevant laws. So they have said, like, F this, we... we're out. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's just true, right? Yeah. You and know, they're going to lose so much money on this as well. That's the thing. Yeah,
0: honestly, I mean, good for good on, them.
1: Yeah, good on them.
0: I would not have expected that. I could have expected many different well, honestly, both of these. You know, when we talk about the other one, I wasn't expecting either. But, you know, I would have expected many different responses from, you know, these companies Yeah, they could mm-hmm. just go along with it. They could quietly make changes. Yeah, they could keep their head down. But for them to be like, nope, we're done. We're out.
1: We're not dealing with this. Yeah, and I forgot that they completely halted their advertising as well because, right?
0: Yeah. So I I, I do think it's the right call to make, but it's definitely the hard call to make.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they, well, survive this because, yeah, this is a tough, tough situation to put themselves in.
0: Yeah. Is this a situation I wonder where that the um you know quote unquote main developers or creators are, are gonna be fine because they're insulated because they have money? Or I wonder if all of that's dried up because of the sanctions and other possible
1: Or just yeah, you know, if which company is the main investors as well because, right? Yeah. Because now we're talking about, yeah. Uh, them and uh uh, the other studio. Yeah. So, what we see? You know, war gaming. You know, die off, and this other studio continue on with World of Tanks, uh, and it being a uh, this odd Russian game from now on.
0: Yeah. Who knows? Only time will tell. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think it's you know good on them. For making an extremely difficult, you know, hard choice. Like again, the right choice. I think it is the correct choice. Probably, I, I
1: would say I would say the morally right choice. Yeah, but, the uh, morally correct or, choice. Yeah, but potentially not the most business business savvy choice, right? Right. Which, unfortunately, you yeah, know, more often than not, we see the business savvy choice being made over. A very easy moral choice. And this is, yeah, a very difficult moral choice. Right. And uh, uh, on kind of the flip side of things, uh, but also, you know, losing potentially a, a fair amount of money. The developer of Loop Hero uh, tells players to just pirate their game because they're not going to get money out of it because of all the sanctions. Yeah, and, and their game has been pulled from pretty much every storefront because of sanctions. Yep,
0: I have Loop Hero. Um, I've been meaning to play it, but I haven't yet. It was given away on the Epic Store, I
1: think, during Christmas. Yeah, well, but I, I somehow don't have it in my absolute massive amount of uh, yeah stuff. I, it's still. Available on the Steam Marketplace But it's also published by Devolver So that could be uh, Getting away from it Or why it's still available On Steam Yeah I'm not sure if it's Yeah, if this is a situation Where This happened Sorry uh, Where this happened a couple weeks ago And because we, yeah, missed a week Because of things uh, that, yeah, the, it's the situation to solve it itself, or if this is just, right? Yeah. It does look like it's uh, the consoles, mostly, that are uh, uh, cutting off Loop Hero, though, so it could be just because PC is, the, uh, yeah, kind of a, more of an open platform uh, that you're able to get it there. I'm just yeah. seeing I'm looking over at the Nintendo marketplace, see if it's available there. Well, it looks like it's available there. Maybe this is a situation that's resolved itself. Yeah. And we're just looking at our old article as well, but yeah. Still gotta commend them for you know telling people to raise the Jolly Roger.
0: Yep. Again, I think the right choice. I think we should steal <laughs> everything that isn't nailed down. From these corporations, although really it's not sealing. Uh, I'm with Stephanie Sterling on this. It's it's just reclamation, but that's you know that's me. Whatever the reasons are, I'm all for supporting game video game piracy. Yeah, I'm just
1: okay. Yeah, this is just kind of a weird situation where I think we're looking at an old article as well, and that it's kind of resolved itself. Or at least yeah. uh, Devolver Digital is able to uh, you know, hold uh, their profits at escrow. Because it does look like they're available on, at least, well, I can see the uh, Nintendo store. Yeah. But Devolver also uh, supported uh, Four Quarters uh, as they uh, 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 said this, which, you know, good on Devolver. Yeah. I mean, I may not enjoy all Devolver's games, but, you know, they're wacky fun Uh, as a company, right? Yep.
0: Wacky Fun is a company. Weird. They take chances. I haven't heard anything bad about them yet. Yeah. Yet, right? Yeah. Yet being the, the opposite. Well, well, uh, outside of,
1: outside you know, killing their uh, uh, CEO and, you know, uh, making her uh, this weird cyborg uh, time-traveling hybrid. Yeah. Speaking of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me get back over here
0: to the, the topic list. Uh, Yes, so speaking of that, E3 2022 cancelled, threatens to return next year.
1: So, I mean, is there a lot to say on at least the first part?
0: I don't think so. Uh, They
1: were planning on it being a digital-only event again this year, and I think it's just that yeah, digital-only is not going to attract the big names anymore. Because, you know, Nintendo is off doing their own Nintendo thing. Sony is, right? Yeah. Uh, Sony hasn't been part of E3 for a few years now. Microsoft pretty much decided to do their own thing. Uh, you didn't have the dancing furries, so, you know, Ubisoft lost all interest. They're just going to be, uh, you know, shit to their uh, uh, furries on their own time. Yep. Uh... <clears throat> And P, uh, PC gaming uh, show or oh, sorry, the Epic exclusive show Is going to be cringy as fuck On their own time Yep So I uh, I do think this is the right call But I do think that We're starting to get into a place where E3 is making less and less Sense as a Major media event Or I should say As a press conference event as a trade show of you know, getting uh, the press hands on with game demos and stuff that we do not see on the streams you know all the stuff that's outside of these you know multi million dollar press conferences where you know, the forza car appears in a, a different way every single time right right from the floor from the ceiling whatever bursting through the wall uh, uh, cool uh, cool uh, aid style man Right <laughs> right, oh, yeah, I do think that the major press events or the press conferences they're going to be a thing of the past if yeah. they pick back up, it's going to be way, way, way scaled down again, right, back to what it was before, you know streaming really took off
0: yeah, i mean i, I don't I don't think e three is relevant to the average quote-unquote average gamer as they used to be. They're not irrelevant, but I think that, you know, COVID accelerated the death of the show in the way that it has been. And I agree with you. I think that it is a good thing for press and for devs and for schmoozing and the public can get access to some of that,
1: but... It also didn't help that they seem to Focus at least, uh, and twenty nineteen. The yeah, uh, I think twenty nineteen was the last uh, time they did uh, in person, right?
0: Oh uh, damn, it, it's
1: kind of stressed out, huh? <laughs> COVID yeah. uh... time is time.
0: Time is a flat circle that doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> well, time is much like everything in the South, relative. <laughs> Uh, where they focus so much on uh, streamers and gaming personalities and it seems like everything but games, right? Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I, I recognize
0: the... that there are people who like those things, who want to participate in those things, but... Yeah, and they're wrong. <laughs> right.
1: No, it's the kids who are wrong. Uh, like, like the last time EA did a, a press conference... A good, what, third of it was uh, just EA Sports? Yeah. Yeah, a random FIFA guy shows up and, you know, they talk about FIFA for a good 10, 15 minutes. And FIFA's going to be the same thing as it is every year. A roster update with uh, resetting of all the microtransactions, so you have to steal your parents' uh, credit card all over again to get, you know, that one digital card. EA Sports. It's in the game. Except the gameplay. Right. Or then they uh, talk about uh, the next Madden game and it just goes off the rails once again because, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I don't... I don't think EA or EA... Well, EA shouldn't either, but I don't think E3 should come back as a... big in-person floor show, like a con or something. Industry event, sure. Do some announcements. Put together a few things to show off, sure. But it just isn't the same event that it used to be.
1: I think they should use this uh, as an opportunity to reinvent the show. Where they don't have the expectation of being bigger and better than the last floor show, because yeah, they haven't had it in the last few years yeah they have an opportunity to uh cast off all the you know, uh, expectation of it and make it more streamlined to make it more about the games make it more about the uh yeah uh the press it, getting hands on with uh, these different things they don't have to do these major presentations anymore yeah I mean are they going to do that probably not because you know it looks so good to uh, see, yeah, you know, uh, shots of uh, their press conference uh, go around the web, but at the same time, probably should you know, at least consider it, huh? And yeah. also, you know, uh once again, you know, uh since E three is canceled, that gives uh, the ESA, yeah, uh, you know, a chance to build up bigger and better and have a completely new way to leak all the uh, journalist uh, information next year.
0: Right, a new way to dox them all. <laughs> oh. That's that's the real MVP. Mm-hmm. Doxing
1: journalists. It, it was the doxing all along. <laughs> oh. Hey, and look at it this way: the little red dress gets uh, I have a, a year off to try to recover.
0: Very true. Very true. And it needs that break.
1: Before you butter yourself up and pour yourself back into it. Yep. It it needs that break. So, last up on the uh, main news topics, this is technically also a community news topic, but I wanted to talk about this as well. Right. Pinball FX, a mess of subscriptions, microtransactions, and currencies. So, this is currently an Epic exclusive game. This is from Zen Studios. And kind of a reboot, restart of the Pinball Pinball FX series. They've had three main ones, and this is kind of going back and dropping on the numbers. And it's an absolute mess. So, they have a subscription service in this game. All right. And that's to get you... All the tables. That's just a what, right? Yeah. It's d- 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 um now I need to go find the actual price of the It's fifteen dollars a month for the subscription service, by the way. Bon dieu. That's uh getting up to like Xbox uh Game Pass Ultimate levels. Fifteen bucks a month for pinball, right? Yep.
0: And don't get me wrong, some people could really like pinball.
1: I mean, I really like pinball, but not at that point. I could
0: see some ways to make it work. Like, if at $15 a month, you get, like, tons of... Or several, you know, exclusive new first dibs on tables, and... Well, that's
1: not even that. It's... You get access to most of the tables. Not all the tables. Most of them. Some of the premium... You know high end tables, you can't play without buying tickets to them. Which is the other part of the insanity to this. They're going full on mobile store. It's not you're buying the uh, DLC directly, instead you're buying tickets and using the tickets to buy the DLC. And there's no way to completely cash out because of course there isn't. (sighs) Right. Yep, th- th- this is just as bad as like the old Xbox, huh? Almost. So, uh, uh, so tickets range in price. Or sorry, uh, prices range from 100 tickets for 10 bucks to 1,200 tickets for 100 dollars. All right. All right. And tables, depending on the version or what they consider it. Uh, I could go from 40 tickets to 60 tickets uh, and up. But then there's tables that are money only. So your tickets are completely worthless. So even if you put in 100 bucks for 1,200 tickets, then you'll be able to buy tables as they come out. Well, that new Indiana Jones table, <laughs> you can't buy it. You have to pay 15 <laughs> bucks instead.
0: Right. <laughs> so he just assembled some tables, uh, cardboard. Made out of cardboard.
1: And that's beyond the point that, well, you're happy to buy them for at least 10 bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, The fact yeah. that
1: the tables are, or at least the legacy ones, are pretty cheap. And that's also kind of the problem, is that in the past, when they've gone from Pinball FX to 2 to 3, they carried over the DLC. So, if you bought you know, a good chunk of the DLC, they would up you, know, you to the next version. Well, no longer. So, that's also breaking that. It's just, ah, uh, right? Yeah. It's one of those
0: things, too, that, like, if it was just one thing, I might be okay with it. It might not bother me at all. But it's like, no, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to do that
1: all at the same time. So, uh, to give you an example, uh, one, uh, this is on the uh, uh, article. One Reddit user calculated that buying all the tables is a total of 1,685 tickets, or 1, 1,226 in week one, which is whenever they have a discount for when the tables come in. To buy the tickets, let's just go with the 1,685 tickets, you have to buy a hundred dollar pack of uh, twelve hundred tickets, followed by a fifty dollar pack. So you're paying a hundred fifty dollar, a hundred fifty bucks essentially, for tickets that you then have leftovers because, of course, you do, right? Absolutely. <sighs> All part of that psychological, psychological trap. And this is really depressing to me because I really like Pinball FX3. And I haven't played it in a while, but for a while it was a, you know, pick up and play, you know, for a few minutes to you know just kill some time. Well, not anymore. I, I just feel disgusted with them. Yeah, no, and that's know, fair. And I know that yeah, you know, it doesn't take any money out of their uh, wallet for me to not play the game that I bought, but at the same time. It makes it so that I don't want to buy the DLC anymore, <laughs> right? Or uh,
0: another one if there's a new one,
1: mm-hmm. or if it eventually comes to the Steam store. Which, with this ticket thing, who knows if they if Steam would allow it? Yeah, it's just yeah, yep. I can uh, I
0: can see why it bothers you. Mm-hmm. It bothers me too, just not as much because I'm not invested.
1: Yeah. And it's also they can't decide which method they want to do because they go tickets, but then they have premium tables as well, which isn't part of the ticket program. Which is just, yeah. And that's not even counting the whole subscription service, which is weird to begin with. It feels overpriced for what it is. Yeah, I I do think it is. Unless you're a hardcore pinball fanatic, which if you're that hardcore into pinball... I imagine that you probably own a couple of pinball machines. Yeah. Either you own them or you aspire to own them or, you know, a place where you can go play pinball in real life and, you know, spend less than a hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. All right.
0: So if people want to, want to get in touch with us, they can do so by sending things to our, our email or in the community corner, uh, submissions, and suggestions discord channel where that we get things like the things that we're going to talk about it's been a, talked about and have talked about um it's gonna be it's been when was the last time we talked about nfts we said we weren't going to talk about them for a while mm-hmm. and uh, you have might been, want to
1: comment uh yeah vjo podcast at gmail.com right
0: right um but yeah where that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Just a smidgen, just a smidge, just a smidge of NFTs. So, nasty fucking things.
1: Yeah, but hey, we get to have a good gut laugh at uh, Formula One. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so Formula One's uh, NFT game kind of crashed and burned. Yep. And now all those NFTs that people spent their hard-earned money on well, now they're well. Can we really say they lost value if they never really had value to begin with?
0: Mm, they lost perceived value.
1: They lost all but sentimental value. I mean, it's just right, right yeah. port manager only. You're collecting cards of the uh, drivers and not actually you know, doing a lot. Right. It's basically a more boring version of Motorsport Manager with a, uh, yeah, a, a you know, monetization level on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and don't forget licensing. He, yeah. Yeah, uh, according to this, the most expensive NFT sold in all of 2019, because you know, NFTs were a big thing back then, was for a car in that game. And it went for over $100,000. One bet it was to somebody else in their little friend group. Because that's been kind of the thing with NFTs, at least from everything that I've understood. Outside of it feeling like gibberish, because you know, it, you know, there's still that part of my brain that's yelling, uh, they're just scamming you. Uh, that's People get together and essentially sell back and forth the NFTs to boost up their value and just do a pump and dump scheme. Where they'll get some random sucker to buy in. Because I've really found it hard to believe that people put that much value into these things.
0: People, People will value anything at whatever they can afford to value it at. You know, like, think about things that you have paid exorbitant amounts of money for. Regardless of whatever standards you use. Because you wanted it, or you needed it, or you really liked it. For better or for worse, you did that thing. And that's what people have done with these. And it's even worse, because it's a speculative market.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing some crossover with the uh, uh, the day traders on Reddit uh, jump, dump, jumping onto NFTs now, which terrifies me in uh, some respects, because they made a lot of money on uh, their day trading with uh, GameStop. Yeah. And it's just crazy amounts of money being thrown around. For mm. hyperlinks, essentially.
0: Yeah, I'm opening it the second article. I didn't have that one open. Yeah, can't wait for some something to come along that that clears the the conscious mind of this. And and you know, what's the next thing? What's the next thing I'm going to be dealing with?
1: I, I I both look forward to and dread the next thing because, yo. We went from loot boxes to to NFTs. With with some crossover in between seats. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, there's some crossover on that. So, what could be worse? Well, are we just going to have people uh, having to sell their organs directly now? Maybe. Whatever it takes to earn a buck, wink, wink, at Judge. And uh, the other NFT article is a. Heist for a crypto game. <laughs> Which I gotta admit some of this I'll read it and just my eyes kinda glaze over. So I'm gonna let you take this one.
0: Right. Um okay. So the next one. Um
1: so, you, you like ripping did, on people.
0: How did a hacker steal six hundred million from a crypto gaming blockchain? That was that was sent to us. So Axie Infinity is a weird little crypto game that i learned a bit about from the line goes up video that um who is that youtuber dan olson f- the fold the folding ideas youtube channel mm-hmm. dan olson did um and at the time he talked about how that eventually like he you know with just a smidgen of foresight, kind of foresaw what was gonna happen because of the way that it worked. It was essentially like farming out uh work at slave wages to people, and it was a highly vulnerable system to social um engineering. Um sort of foresaw this this happening. So anyways, Axie Infinity is a kind of shitty um turn based RPG where that gameplay and defeating the enemies is rewarded with little little bits of you know coins blockchain currency um and that people particularly in the Philippines were were able to earn a living off of it some players were good enough that they were able to earn like an actual livable wage off of the game and uh you know selling their cryptocurrency quote unquote to Uh, especially these, these like, big, almost, like, team owners, um, you know, someone, like, owns a Discord server and hires all these people and pays them in the game's cryptocurrency and then will, like, buy it from them at reduced rates directly, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that sets the stage, like, that's what's going on here. There's these guys basically running Discord servers with Filipino workers and other nationalities who are, who are slave labor for them. Um
1: definitely not suspect at all.
0: Right. So a there was a breach of the cryptocurrency side chain where that they, they, they say an attacker used hacked private keys. I suspect that they got the private keys um doing it, you know, a little bit of social hacking as opposed to, you know, hacker movie hacking
1: you mean multi uh, keyboard hacking?
0: Right, multi keyboard hacking with uh, you know, a green light and a trench coat and fancy weird sunglasses. Hey,
1: hey my keyboard is green lights.
0: My hey, mine too. I have my keyboard set to green and I could stand by mode is breathe the, the with green oh, lights.
1: no, the, the, mine is uh the Matrix uh, uh animation. I'm gonna have to show you that one.
0: Yeah. So there was there was so much of this going on. That this person, whoever it was that, you know, quote-unquote, hacked the blockchain to transfer out 173,000 Ethereum, which was worth $594 million away, which is the one of the largest breaches in the history of cryptocurrency. It's just mwah, how easy it is, really, to steal cryptocurrency. The, it's. Stealing something for the blockchain is, like, it, it, to actually go in and hack it is very difficult for complicated reasons. But essentially, your, distri- your distributed network, the the constant persistent records of things, you know, rolling back an actual hack, you know, can be done. It's difficult and complicated, but it can be done. Like, actually hacking the chain is hard. But getting information pe- from people and then using that to, cr- to generate, you know, f- false. but official looking trades is very easy to do and so when this attack happened um let's see let me let me get back on track so the attack happened there was roughly 600 million dollars worth of cryptocurrency stolen and now there is essentially um a huge gridlock while that they're working on you know are we going to reset the blockchain are we going to try to You know, get it back. Sort of. Now, are we? How are we going to handle this? What's it going to happen with a split? People are angry and sort of yelling and shouting at each other about their inability to create their trade their cryptocurrency, and it's just beautiful. Fuck your (laughs) NFTs and your cryptocurrency based games.
1: No, no, really. How do you feel?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And because we can track you know, where things go based on the blockchain. Most of what was stolen is just sitting in a wallet, taunting people. Some of it has been transferred out to other wallets sold on, you know, marketplaces and whatnot. But most of it is sitting in just a wallet. So this, this whole thing is destroying the uh, company, quote unquote, the company that created Axie um, because they, you know, Our system is secure. You can earn money doing this. And then there was a huge breach resulting in the loss of millions of dollars worth of of crypto tokens and NFTs. It's just, it's so interesting to me to think about how ironic this is. You know, cryptocurrency was designed to replace banking institutes because of how difficult it was supposed to be to be hacked and you know, for there to be financial crimes. But because the people who made it made a really complicated computer algorithm, they left out the human equation or the human portion of the equation, which has resulted in cryptocurrencies, most of them being extremely easy to hack, you know, via social manipulation, social engineering.
1: But the blockchain, right?
0: But the blockchain. Cryptocurrency is a neat idea, and you know maybe one day there's a future where that we work out how to use it in a way that makes sense. But that honestly seems pretty unlikely to me. I had my phase where I thought that mining cryptocurrency was neat and I thought it was cool, but that was years ago at this point, and there are way, way, way more cons than pros to cryptocurrency, and that might never change.
1: And if it doesn't. This will continue to be funny to me. Well, considering how destructive it's been, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to lean towards it's going to be funny no matter what. Uh, Yeah, I think so, too. Just with how destructive and how uh, we're seeing game companies, uh, some of the more suspect ones, really latching onto NFTs being their next big revenue after seeing them just go... All in on loot boxes. So, the fact that it's delegitimizing them more and more to the general public is just delicious. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, So, speaking of something delicious, right?
0: Yeah, our final news topic, which was a community submission of the night. GameFact user creates uh, 3,700 maps and counting. Oh, in MS Paint. In MS Paint. Ah.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm uh, just in shock at just how dedicated this person is. So, this is. Hang on. Let me actually go over to. This is Starfighters 76. And they have game maps for. Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, uh, a bunch of Android games, some versus Mario Brothers, um, Chrono Trigger, a lot of Chrono Trigger maps. And it's just, they built maps as, you know, a replacement to some text gods. Because yeah. it's just so much easier to you know, draw it out. Uh, there's a link on uh, on that that's yeah you know, a collection of over 3,700 maps there on that article, and yeah. you can just go through and start scrolling through, and some of them are yeah you know, very quick one-offs, but then there's some that's just incredibly detailed, yeah, and uh, just the dedication this person's done. Uh, how? What's some of the oldest ones? I mean, Except from the them, early 2000s. Okay, well, I was just trying to find a, a rough year. I mean, there's some from this year. Uh, here's one from 2009, 2008. That's just, yeah, you know, a quick uh, map thrown together for Super Mario Galaxy. And I remember when GameFAQs was the site, you know?
0: Yeah. I've been there plenty of times for help on games.
1: hmm I haven't been there uh, too much in in years, just because, uh, really, a, a GameFAQs is uh, a, a site that's just driven by the community. And most of the community makers, they went off to do, you know, like, YouTube channels. Because, yeah, you know, it's a lot easier to, you know, Build a video uh, these days than it was, you know, in like 2009, when you know uh, this person was doing maps for Transformers and uh, animated the video the the game. Yeah, and I've seen just a lot of admiration for this person. Just I've not seen a lot of mocking, which you know is actually a little bit surprising, honestly. (laughs)
0: I mean, I have admiration for this person, too. Like, someone who just really enjoys helping and this is a way that they can help and they keep doing it. I assume that they get some kind of satisfaction or enjoyment out of it. Like, I couldn't imagine them doing it without getting anything. You know?
1: Mm -hmm. Or they really enjoy these games and want to help others with it. Yeah. Like, Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds, the uh, 3DS version. Having area match for you, know, rule and um uh, the lost Woods, uh, the uh, domain for uh, uh, Zora's domain in the graveyard, and having solutions for uh, all these puzzles. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, but also a lot of understanding of the game. Yeah, this, this is not something that you could just go. You know, Oh, I kind of like this game. Let me throw together something real quick for it. you. Have to have a really deep understanding for a lot of this. Yeah,
0: making—I mean—making I mean, making maps like that is, is just really hard. I've made maps like this for tabletop RPGs. I've used different tools. I've used MS Paint for things too. Like, and I'm creating these maps whole cloth. I can do whatever I want with them, and they are hard to make. It's like you know, having to match something. <laughs>
1: And doing it all in MS Paint while having it be actually useful too, because that's the other thing, right?
0: Yeah. MS Paint is weird. Like, it's a really powerful tool. You can do a lot with it, but most people don't. I've seen some, some pretty of his, ad-
1: Yeah, and some of those maps have kind of humor to them too, like the Super Mario Bros. 5 4 uh, solution. <laughs> Because that's one of the puzzle levels in the old Super Mario Brothers.
0: Yeah. So, good
1: on this guy. Oh, does he have a Patreon or something? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, now, now let's just see. Let's just. Put, uh, he, looks like he does have a YouTube channel. But, yeah, it's... Uh, he has... Uh, assuming, of course, this is the same person, but, yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, his last video was, like, five years ago. Yeah. It doesn't look like he has any sort of, uh yeah, you know, Patreon or anything. It's just he likes doing this, so he does it. Yeah. Makes me wonder just, you know, how did uh, this kind of start making the rounds? Because I, I imagine, yeah, you know, this probably was, like, a Reddit thread somewhere. Like, hey, this person's made a lot of maps. Wow, they made this, uh, they made a lot of maps, right?
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't i don't know what else to say this is very lovely i support and appreciate this person's endeavors uh do you have anything else
1: really just uh you know uh just kind of all for the, some of the selection and they have some really good taste <laughs> uh just based off the games that they win, because they, they have like uh solutions for uh Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, which was the original Super Mario Brothers 2. And that's yeah, a hardcore game. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Hardcore. Uh and yeah, a real dick move in some of it. So, yeah, mapping out some of the solutions. Yeah. Is very helpful. <laughs> uh just kind of scrolling through. I mean, they've done this from Oh, here's the, uh, the new earliest one I've seen of theirs, uh, 2005. I mean, think about it, 15 years uh, plus?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, 17, 18 years, I should say. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, dedication. Just don't zap their brain, okay?
0: <laughs> oh, why not? I going to hook up to the machine with a funny eyeball spinner and
1: zap their brain. <laughs> yeah, so where can they? Uh, where can people get in touch with us if they want to? Oh, you can do so over at VGLPodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us VGLPodcast on the Twitter. Or if you wish to join the Discord, you find a link to that over at VGLPodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So. Uh, how are you feeling for a doobly do?
0: I'm feeling like I could fall asleep at any moment.
1: Okay, so that's a definite no.
0: That's a, that's a doobly-don't. Eh? Uh. Uh.
1: yeah, yeah,
0: uh. yeah. All right. Um. So, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with him socials? Oh,
1: well, I've been caffeine rage. You can find me occasionally tweeting over, at, uh, ca- uh, uh, gaming with CR, or if you want to be with my friend over on Steam, you do so over at Caffeine Rage. And you've been?
0: I have been me. I have been Jared. You find me tweeting, whatever at JMA four seven zero seven. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's bullshit. Sometimes it's you know, trolly whatever. Uh you can find me over at twitch.tv slash runicarts, where I participate in one to two tabletop RPGs a week. Um playing currently a very horrible evil vampire man and then running. And that's a game... How? Good point. And running a game uh of battle tech. Um the big stompy mech game. Although we're about to start an arc, because of my players, you know they got they dug it themselves as a hole, and they invited trouble to come knocking. And it's going to involve non mech stuff, more sort of traditional RPG adventures for a bit. So this will be interesting to see how they handle future do technology.
1: What did they do?
0: So there has been this thread for a few sessions now, where they're—I mean—they are being spied on you know they worked that out long before their characters did but they have been being spied on and one of the characters uh, one of my players goes out with his like advanced battle armor that in you know the BattleTech universe like people shouldn't know about shouldn't exist with his scanning equipment and, like finds them and is like i've got you i'm going to going to track you down And so now that they're being interfered with, instead of them coming to contact normally and like maybe strike up a deal or something, they instead have abducted my, uh, one of the players. Um, he, he got, he was
1: separated from the group. They're, they're, They're in the brain scanner getting their brain zapped. Yeah. He did get
0: zapped. Um, the, uh, shot the, or the hit the truck with like an EMP. Um, but it was from like a, they're called anti mech darts. But really, they're just um, sort of harpoon things that deliver a massively powerful electrical charge. Yeah, harpoon taser. And um, the player got hit with a mech-scale harpoon taser and uh, lost consciousness. They're not dead. They're not dead, but they're injured and unconscious. So, yeah, this group was going to contact them, offer them a deal... Get some information based on the story, but instead you just walked out and gave them the middle finger, and so now they're being petty.
1: Yeah, me a car battery up their ass.
0: That might that might be coming. You never know. uh
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm giving you ideas, aren't
0: I? You are. But so yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Also, you can be my friend on Steam, jr 4707 Come to the Discord, strike
1: up a chat, whatever. I'm around. Well, we know you're fat. That too. I am too, but still. And if you wish to contact us, once again, it's VGLPodcast at com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Tweet into us at VGLPodcast on the Twitter or drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that, as well as all our stuff over at com. And if you wish to spare... Uh, to uh, to share the love, maybe I'm... Uh, more tired than I thought and I'm tripling over myself as well
0: <laughs> you okay. can
1: find us on your podcatcher of choice our lovely lovely patrons have made this madness possible you can find out more over at patreon.com slash feature podcast our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kev McLeod you can find his work over at incomputech.com and as always as his lovely music
0: starts to roll across my voice but bye now